friends. Thanks for pressing play. This is Ashley Bowen, and you're listening to the Cannabis Curious Podcast with special guest David Costanetta, where we talk about David's vision of creating a cannabis church dedicated to preserving cannabis cultivation knowledge and skills funded by Bitcoin. Thanks for listening. Tell me about kind of your story and what brings you or what has brought you to cannabis. Well, it's been a long, boring story, but I'll try to condense it as much as I can. Um, in a nutshell, it was uh, excruciating pain. It's like I had this uh, some sort of problem with my toes, where the joints had extra uric acid buildup. They called it gout, but it took them 12 doctors to decide. I mean, 12 years to decide that's what it was. But before then, I found cannabis, and I—I I mean, I can't—I I can't really describe what the feeling was I think it's the closest thing I can describe is the first time I wore contacts it's like after wearing glasses you know it's like I can see differently now after yeah. taking cannabis now the world had new different meaning because I didn't live in constant pain yeah that chronic pain relief that has to be uh, chronic pain can be is life changing I mean it's it literally the thoughts come to your mind is like I wish I could just amputate it it gets that severe you know and I c- just can't imagine people who live through it with their whole throughout their body I mean like think about you know fibromyalgia and you know other neurological diseases like that yeah yeah I can appreciate that I had um I have a rare genetic condition that causes me to have growth just get tumors and they can get really big and really painful and I remember points in time like really identifying with people or empathizing with people who are in similar positions who like couldn't get relief like how would they how do they do it you just can't. I mean, that's why we have an epidemic with the opioids, because it's the only thing that's it's close enough to be described as, as miraculous. But you know the negative the side effects to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So a lot of people like you, I think, are brought to cannabis. And that's probably where I think cannabis has become a little more in um, the mainstream as well as really it started medically. Mm-hmm. Well, going back a little further, um, I started in, in the military how I got the idea to start, you know, some sort of organization that had an order, you know, and a purpose, some similar to a mission. And when I experienced the pain relief, it, it just reminded me of Fight Club, you know, the catharsis of having some part of you be healed. It's just like, well, now I think this would be good if the rest of the world saw it. You know, it became one of those, like, life-changing moments where it's like, well, this would be a great contribution and meaning to my life, you know, because it gets a bad rep, and I know from personal experience, and now from being healed, that it's been demonized unjustly, you know, and it just, it resonated with my background in law enforcement, so, because after the military, I went into the police department. Okay. Where were you a police officer? In Chicago for about a year. Okay. But then the same... The same thing that oh, that causes the side effect of the job, which you know we see on Facebook all the time, where the personalities no longer, you know, would qualify as normal, you know, baseline human, decent human beings, and that's because the job makes people do that, you know. And I believe that if if cannabis were more readily acceptable, it would be a much better alternative to having a drink, you know, because I got out of the uh, department because I got a DUI after a year in. So it's it, it, it's kind of a heavy job. It's, it's I don't really want to go into too many details, but it, it weighs just like as if you're a soldier in a war. And I don't understand why they have such a hard time admitting it to themselves and why the administrations don't don't take a more proactive you know, approach towards, you know, mental health and de-stressing to the, to the officers on the line, you know, because it's, it really is kind of a negligence. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think it's more of a everything that's good with good use gets worn, you know, and I think it's that type of a, more of a preventive maintenance type, you know, at least for mental health and officers on duty. Absolutely, absolutely. So police officer also helped you kind of, you know, evolve in your journey in cannabis. Exactly. So how can you take a person's car charge him a thousand dollars to get it back and then charge him an impound fee and then still have to see him in court so they can pay court fees for smoking something that makes him feel happy i mean the only crime is that it's a crime in my eyes yeah you know so that's i, I mean i just i get really worked up and it's really hard for me to k- stay down because i still have that like 
you know, memory is, is fresh. You know, it's been 12 years almost now, but it's like, it, it just it upsets me because it's, it's still true sometimes in some places. So talk to me, I guess, more about what's happened since then, these past 12 years of how... Well, I'm, I'm trying to give a good foundation to how this form, this idea just kept yeah, adding yeah. and adding what to it and where it came to, to the point where this is what it is and I think we should start now. It, it Basically, from the police department, I went to, to politics. I volunteered for about four years for the, one of the Democratic organizations and after about four years even, they they called me in to go work in the ward office, you know, and eventually I had to be an administrative aide and I got to see a lot of things and understand how things work. So it it's really clear how things operate and why things are the way they are. So I think that if we could take what they are already doing and use them to our benefit, I think we could change things rather easily as long as we get the financing because that's the only thing that differentiates them from us, that they have access to all those fundraising and all those networks of people that have money and connections to the banks that have you know, donated to their campaigns in the past. And that's where lobbyists come in. So essentially, with the church, we have an opportunity to take something that was taken from the people back for the people before corporate money takes it. And that's exactly what I th I'm trying to accomplish here with you, to create an audio that can explain to people, this is an alarm. You know, we should take action. And how do we take action is by saying, I see that and I approve. And that's essentially all you need. Once you have that, you have the... the the stage to create the audience to start marketing the data they're already taking from us so that if we have a place to say well I will not you know allow you to take my data that's generated just for me existing to sell it back to me I'm going to create my own apparatus to collect the value from that creation and when we talk about they talk a little bit more about who they is well this is the thing that I asked you about like do you think it's safe to share names dates and places of you know where people sleep at night and where they work and where their children are you know this is not the things that people that who they are would want us to discuss okay what about broader strokes um I'd say it's essentially the super PACs that have been created by corporations who pool their resources their vast amounts of money and then they show it to some people and say here do this for me and they put commercials out with no association to what the agenda is but they push the agenda with lots and lots of money. With the end result being that it restricts our access to these newly created resources. The money moving, I've been watching it since Bitcoin came into, like not even mainstream, just below the undertow. And I made that connection that this, as soon as this becomes real, this is gonna happen and it just one after the other. You know, Bitcoin became mainstream and then all of a sudden legalization across another couple of states and then overnight i mean this wasn't like oh put it on a referendum make you jump hoop after hoop they said okay now we're, we're ready for it let's stamp it you know and that's what corporate money does it holds it and holds it and holds it until they can capitalize on it and then they let it set free until they can go ahead and rein it all back in uh, break down bitcoin a little bit for me so like i kind of understand bitcoin headlines but break it down for me Bitcoin is what I consider to be the keys to the plantations for the slaves to take their freedom without having to burn it down or kill anybody wow. or lose their lives in trying to escape from the slave catchers. What Bitcoin is, is the ability to store value for future redemption and you know credit reconciliation on an internet cloud that isn't beholden to the interest and the bleeding of inflation that the banks assigned to it, and the governments complicitly say, yes, you may. So that's what Bitcoin is to me. So that's just Bitcoin's value at one. So when you start to add the speculation value, <laughs> that that's when you have individuals creating their own Bitcoin. So that essentially you will be able to use the technology that artificial intelligence will eventually create for us to just as easily as we tap on a picture and say like on Facebook that we can create value of our own to be redeemed now as credit for future produ production of value through labor or goods and services. And that's, I mean, I mean that sounds like, like a big pie in the sky idea, but it's already real right now. And that's why I'm saying it to you. It's like we can do that. With cannabis. With cannabis and without cannabis. You know, cannabis is just the tangible because people, 
In order for them to have faith, they need to have a piece of paper or gold or a metal or a loaf of bread. In our case, it's going to be cannabis. So how do you transact with cannabis? So you assign a value to it based on the current local value. So you don't exchange it for, you know, you know, Chinese or Russian dollars or money when you're in the United States. You exchange it for dollars. So that's essentially what it's going to be. So Bitcoin, marijuana, the Internet. You know, one fell swoop, you're able to finance whatever projects you want to finance as a group, as long as you put the people together. Very interesting. This is a very fascinating take on how to kind of create more access to the industry. With how would this how would this sort of help small to medium size kind of players in cannabis? Well, I hope this would go all the way from you know well that there should be some restrictions. I mean there shouldn't be Walmart saying, Okay, you've created a church, send us a bunch of your units. It's like no, there's going to be limits. I mean, why should we provide for those that have more than enough? You know, we should provide for those that don't have or th- those that want to aspire. So in in my vision of the ideal world, any organization or society should provide the benefit instantly, you know, so that once you sign a dotted line saying, yes, I am a citizen of this, or yes, I ascribe to this, and I'm a member, you don't pay the dues or you don't pay the fees. You get a million dollars to become what it is to become that you signed on to be, like in the military. So would this be sort of like a membership-based situation? Like are people kind of, you're giving people sort of a, I guess you're paying people up front, but you're going to be using kind of their data and their information to help make their kind of products, their processes, you know, yes. their whatever they need, optimize, yes. help share, yes. create a network yep. um, so that they have like your church has, you know, power the same way that, like a canopy growth or acreage holdings, these big guys that are right. traded like on the stock exchange right that's now. That's have. what I'm trying to create. And that's what I think is necessary in order for us to have any real political influence as the people that we're going to need to start using the tools that they use when they, you know, or fundamentalists, when they say, oh, vote for me because, you know, I stand with this. You know, those like extreme lefts or extreme rights. It's like, we want to take that and b- give it back to the people instead of making it an extreme and making it belong to just a few certain individuals, make it belong to everybody so that everybody feels like they're in the middle, that they've compromised, but they didn't give enough so that they don't feel that they've sold out, but they're giving of themselves as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. There's something reciprocal about the relationship. You're giving and getting. Exactly, which is not what you get from you know, a, a compact or agreement or a contract that you were born into, that you didn't get a choice, that you don't get a choice. You know, so essentially what cannabis is going to do, it's going to allow us to take our voice back from the representatives who are thousands of miles away claiming to represent our best interests when they send our kids off to war. When in reality, it's just about that campaign donation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That all comes back down to a dollar. Oh, yes. Thank you very much for saying that. So the whole the whole uh, idea, its fulcrum point and its like tipping point is all about based on the bottom line, the dollar. So it, it's about the dollar that, that has pretty much hijacked and, str- and taken hostage our political system, you know, so that we have our education and our legal departments and everything is, is designed to maximize, you know, gain instead of providing the service that their title and the door has painted on it. Yeah, yeah. It's like not being uh, – government has kind of lost – I don't even know if it ever had, but I understand government to be like a little bit more of like a stewardship, right? And like trying to create like policies and resources and tools for people that just kind of enable them, help create like community. And I think our government has become so intertwined with corporate big money and that's driving the policy making decisions, election decisions, every piece of it, federal, state, local, right? It's... (laughs) You get the act. Looking at the evolution of cannabis legalization, I have become like very aware of how much that does exist. And I think I thought of capitalism like yeah, it exists in the and I I understood it, but watching it in cannabis is is very I don't know. It's sad. It's alarming to me. It, it alarming is a great word for it. A great word for it. Because we have six months to make something happen. That's by right. the people, through the people, for the people. 
before the money buys the people. And when you say six months to make something happen, is that in Michigan? That, no, that is my personal... Um, or in the U.S.? My personal uh, hypothesis. My, my guess is in six months, it's going to be locked. It's going to be sealed. It's gonna Regardless be, of where you live. Yes, there's going to be a licensing that's going to be restrictive or kind of like Jim Crow in style that if you don't have a certain amount of money, you won't be allowed to, to sell to anybody. So whereas it should be that you can, you know, get a permit, you know, pay, you know, pay that nominal fee and you can set up a, a lemonade stand, except you'd be selling flowers instead of lemonade. Yes. And in about six months, there's going to be some sort of difficulty between that. So you've got to feel like a sense of urgency then right now yeah. for your vision. Yes, that's that's when the Chicago law goes into effect, January 1st of 2020. That's right. That's when they want the dispensaries to be selling. Yeah, so that's when we're going to have a sh massive shortage. Yes, right? That's the thing. I was just going to say, are they even going to be at a point of being able to do that? I don't think states understand the cultivation process. Like, as they implement these regs, it's like you really don't understand And that's where And that's where you and I have the advantage because – you know, people with boots on the ground understand the process and the time and the tender love and care to, to get it's necessary to get a quality product. You know, you can tell when you consume something that it wasn't very well or something that's, you know, of high quality. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that's going to be the selling point to something that anybody does that's not a corporation. So mm -hmm. the trick now is to make the network and the people come together so that they can what they're going to do and start instead of you know selling on the corner selling to their friends and family to bring it to a centralized location so that they can you know generate the influence of numbers kind of like the old school unions used to do so how do you see this working with the church how do you see bringing these people together what does that look like to you well i think that there's going to be alternative medias that aren't facebook and aren't youtube that's going to be something that's going to be based on the dark net because what we have now is uh, total control by corporate message agendas. And if you say something that goes against the current mainstream message, you get censored or you get suspended. So I think that all the alternative medias are going to start, you know, sprouting up like weeds, literally. That's a really interesting point. It is really hard for companies to have any kind of social media presence that have affiliation with cannabis right like all the platforms are sometimes they shut your account down sometimes maybe you're not showing up in the algorithm it's difficult to buy ads so it's i think silk road and the dark net then the deep web you know somewhere that is safe from you know outside interference of trying to manipulate the message and censor your your freedom of speech essentially and I think that when it comes together, it's going to be, I don't think I give a good explanation about Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is a, is a line of code, like ones and zeros, but it has an X factor to it that makes it unique and individual. So in a decentralized ledger, you can purchase something anywhere in the world and that transaction is going to be recorded with that number anywhere you log into the internet so that you don't have to give it to a bank to give it to somebody else to, sp you know, to know that you've spent it. It's instant. There's like no middleman that needs to process exactly. the so transaction. So I saw a, a really interesting graph a couple days ago where it shows how many middlemen get cut like cut out, and it was amazing. It was like 14 different agencies and people 14. that take value from your number. Once you give that dollar to the bank, it's just a pixel, and they all these people take away from that that number. That's unbelievable. 14. So. I guess help me understand you I want to go purchase Bitcoin I want to go have access to Bitcoin or I, I want to work with you to have access to kind of this idea like what do I need what are the next steps I'm gonna take like how what does it look like we need software designers and engineers that will write the programs to execute all these transactions so it's like it has to be with the entity that provides the storage for these numbers so that's what Bitcoin data mining is all about. It's a storage page as it exists up in the internet and then giving it value by making it used by more people. So it's use not doesn't come from it being a number, it comes from the adaptation of the people using it. So the more people that use it, the more value it'll have. So Bitcoin originally started it being worth only one eight hundredth of a penny. Now it's worth, you know, between seven and nine thousand dollars. I haven't checked in a couple of days. 
So that value comes from the people thinking it's worth and it's going to be worth more tomorrow. It's worth eight cents to start with. One eight hundredths of a cent. And now it is worth how much? What is it valued at? I'll have to log in and track that. Let me see. Yeah, check tape. Oh my gosh, seven thousand nine hundred fifty-one point nine one. June to 10th. one Bitcoin, almost eight thousand dollars to one Bitcoin. So for you to get access, for one to get access to Bitcoin, you kind of need somewhere to someone to design a software that like gives you a key to it. Yes. Is that how to? Yeah. Yes. Break. Keep breaking it down for me because okay, this is not so my strong this is suit. So um, I'm gonna. I don't know how to say this without signing, sounding too can't find the word for it but I don't want to sound too grubby you know it's like but I want to make this open source so what the bank is eventually going to try to do is they're going to try to take the genetic information from our bloods and cells and digitize it into a numerical number that they're going to be able to use as access code key to the value that you will create in the future so that as individuals as every individual right and this way they'll assign values and productivity and et cetera, et cetera. So this is the future now, and it's happening right now. And the only thing missing is the individual will say, hey, let's put this and that together. And they're already determining how to value us? Like how are we, ev how isn't a value even being assigned to me or to you? Exactly what the uh, data collection is for. So what, what is happening in our phones every day from how high we are in altitude and how fast we're moving, the gait of our step, it's all recorded through these. So that data that's generated is going to tell them who you are, where you work, what you do, and how much you make, and how much you produce, and how much you consume, and what type of product you consume, and exactly when and what time of day you do. So that information is worth money. So they sell it to each other amongst each other so that they can design the products in order for us to want it without even knowing that we needed it but now we really want that product and that's how we're going to be worth you know to them how marketable is this individual to my product and that's how you know i think they're going to be assigning value and these are all just my you can call these ramblings of a stoner uh, but if you look and dig hard enough the information is there terms and conditions apply that's what that means Whatever they can get from you, they're going to take and they're going to sell. And it's accepted by you because you clicked I accept. So Bitcoin is an opportunity to operate outside of all of this. All of this kind Bitcoin of data collection and control and algorithms. and. Not exactly, but it is another avenue. I think that if we chisel it together that we can create a legal system where we can draft up a document with a couple of lawyers, create these words that will force them by law under penalty of you know huge fines to remove us that signed this paper like a do not call list you are not allowed to collect anything on me anymore because i'm giving my data to this entity that i own this is what you th this is what you see in the future like based this on this is what i see the church the church is an entity that will serve as a shield from legal prosecution in case the federal government changes its minds and say we're executing every person not wearing this type of patch. And how will Bitcoin help to protect? Because it's international. So it won't be beholden to the military might and the industrial military complex that is the dollar bill. So okay. Bitcoin is internationally respected. So it's, it's worth as much Chinese or Russian or Venezuelan or Cuban or whatever other Korean you decide to create. It's going to be respected as long as there's an internet connection and the individual says, I can buy something with that. Okay. And do any, do any governments regulate it now? Like what mm -hmm. kind, I guess, regulation is around Bitcoin yes. currently? The very first one was Estonia. And they got, they got spanked down by the IMF and the World Monetary Fund and all these big organizations that say you can't do that we won't allow it but fast forward a couple months and now a lot of different countries are doing it so many that i've lost track so i couldn't give you a straight answer without lying to you but yes a lot of different governments corporations entities facebook days after marijuana was legalized in chicago and it was announced that the largest marijuana farm was going to be growing in illinois said they're going to create their own bitcoin and they're going to pay their workers salaries in their bitcoin 
So this is essentially the plantation issuing company money. So that's what I'm saying. We should own that plantation before they try to own us. That's what the Bitcoin with marijuana under a church is about. It's taking the financial voice and putting it back into the productive life of the people so that there could be a middle class again instead of homelessness and poverty and war. Yeah, so there's like a more kind of fair distribution of resources maybe. It seems a little more decentralized too, I guess, right? Like, I, I don't know, it seems like you have a little more autonomy. Yes. Um, than maybe you do with the dollar or how like things are currently financed through private sector and how we participate, right? With What's called pay to play. I think that's that's what we're able to do once it's decentralized because you'll be able to see how it is used and utilized. Where now is, you know, the government can, you know, do backroom deals and suitcase full of su suitcases full of money get exchanged in hands and legislation happens magically. And no one's the wiser for it. So this is what it would, you know, make more difficult for them to do. And this is which why they don't want it. So how, in this, in this sort of picture with the church, talk to me a little bit about kind of where you're going to get the ability to sort of give these um, other businesses. Why don't we start here? Talk to me about some of the businesses that you want to be kind of like involved. So who are the people that you're kind of looking for in this church? Are they people who want to get like a licensed, a license to do cultivation um, or like processing or dispensing, right? Are the people who maybe want to... I don't know, um, they want to make hemp t-shirts, they want to be involved in some other way, they want to be an accountant, right? I, I, you know, just people who, are you looking for a very specific type of participant in the cannabis industry? Or you kind of, what, who do you want to be a member well, of your church? At this point, it's just a, a concept in my mind, and it has one web page on Facebook. And it's uh, just me finding memes that I think are relevant and pertinent to to our mission, to my mission, to what I see as what we should be doing as human beings who are trying to be good and trying to contribute and find meaning in life and justification for our existence. So essentially, I think the initial members would be somewhere around a homeless veteran, um, uh, demobilizing war vet, um, ex-felon, you know, after a long term in prison, you know, halfway house people, you know, people who are trying to make better for their lives. So people with skills know people who have an idea about what life is about and they want to start building it instead of having to have to regret their lives decisions up to that point so this would be an organization that I'm hoping to get funded through some sort of uh, collaborative effort of fundraising or, or Kickstarter or some sort of like crowdfunding so that it can be created from the pennies from the pocket change from the chain and the coin behind the couch cushions you know, something that you won't miss if you never hear about it again, but if you do, it's like hitting a wish at a wishing well. You know, so these people would put enough money together so that we can pay the people to write those words for us so that we can present them to a government organization and say, yes, you're allowed to exist and we won't prosecute you like they did in Waco, Texas. You know, so that the people who, who signed their name understand that these things happen and they've happened in our history and so we have to be prepared you know, with the full strength of the law's protection and the faith in God that has been misplaced on a piece of paper, but they should be placed on themselves so that if they can create an entity or an organization. And a lot of people aren't sold on, on the church idea. And I understand that. You know, a lot of people don't have that confidence in themselves and that they understand spirituality or they have that spiritual maturity enough to say, we can call that whatever you want to call it, but it's going to make my life better, just like having a car gets me to point A to point B faster. You know, and if this church gets you closer to your God faster, then why not? You know, but essentially, the base message is that it, this isn't the end-all, be-all of churches. This is just a stepping stone, just like a denominational church before you find, you know, your epiphany. Mm -hmm. So, I, I just see it like a fight club. You know, but instead of blowing up the buildings, instead of beating each other up, you plant flowers. 
and you learn to navigate the legal system in which these buildings exist, and you build something better than those instead of destroying them. That's beautiful. It sounds that's like a strong sense of community, belonging, and like helping others kind of get on their feet and, yeah, achieve their sense, right, of um, like whatever ascension is for them, like self-actualization. Correct. You get it. Very, very fascinating. I love that you want to start with people that have been like impacted most by prohibition, by cannabis prohibition. Well, I see that. I mean, I haven't looked at the stats lately, but the last I heard it was 22 veterans a day commit suicide. And I think wow. that if you have 22 people who, instead of ending their lives, decided to dedicate their lives to creating something and sacrificing themselves uh, on something that they can get real value in real time right now in this lifetime. I think they would reconsider their decisions. God, that's a, that, I think that's incredible. And so have, what kind of opportunities do you think these people would be wanting to have in the cannabis industry? Are they going to want to like work at a dispensary? Are they going to want to develop maybe their own product line? Are they going to want to, I don't know, help other people learn how to grow? And like, what's the cultivation process? I've, I've started several artworks, and I actually have a couple of books on all of these questions. So I don't know in which one you want me to start first. I guess just talk to me a little bit about some of the ways that you want to connect these um, your members into the cannabis industry. And I mean that very broadly. So. Well, I mean, there's, there's too many things to, to <laughs> say, but essentially <laughs> I would like to have every member have their own grow. Okay. They're like the maximum allowed per individual to be grown. Okay. And it would be, so that would be predominantly home grow. People mm -hmm. like help them get their own home grow kind of garden up and running. Um, what about caregivers? Like the folks that can grow, you know, a number of plants for medical patients. Would you well, want to help them as well? Of course. Like I mean, okay. I think that would be primarily the, the individuals that would be most benefited and easily you know sought and attracted but that's probably a little further and like right in the beginning you know but what i was talking about when you know ending homelessness and you know addressing the government's attitude with legislation and money it's a little further down the line but towards the beginning i think that what you just said is, is the main goal towards the beginning is getting connecting the people who have already had experience with this and using the skills and the knowledge that they've already attained to create a system that brings new people who have never had any experience and shows them all the ins and outs of the, the operation so that they can know what to do and not have to have the stress of having them go on YouTube and Google and asking questions and after question, you have a, a guide and a mentor. You know, so that's what I think the church is going to be about. You know, and then the church would pay these individuals to go and assist each other. So essentially, you're working for yourself and paying yourself. I, I imagine that because this is kind of where you're leaning and what you're wanting to do, that um, you think that there's a lot of sort of knowledge and information in the cultivation process. The cannabis, one of the reasons cannabis is unique is because of the fact that it's a plant, how it grows, what it can be turned into which not every job or opportunity or commodity or even any industry has some of the nuances that cannabis does. Um, and so I, it sounds to me like you're very interested in like kind of taking the, the like true kind of cannabis, like love of the plant knowledge from like the folks that have been doing it the longest and helping to like pass that down to people that are wanting to do it in a home grow or a medical capacity outside of like the current licenses yes. that are doing it like on this more commercial brick and mortar right Correct. transactional you you said that better than i did thank you yes that's no, exactly I mean, that's right. beautiful so th that's why i want to call it a church you know if we can get the 503 classification we would avoid a lot of the other uh, legal loops that other corporations have to pay a lot of money to get through we don't have that kind of money we're not a church. We don't exist. We're trying to be something like a church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, yes, being a church would help you kind of financially, right, and, and, and help you kind of 
put more back into the community and have to probably have some less bills. But it also sounds like for you, the church is about how everyone is going to kind of like uh, interact and like the common goal and like the community that's being built. Some of the sort of principles or values. Correct. Um, so like church is important, I guess, for both pieces, right? It's like the, the kind of culture that you want to cultivate with your, I don't even want to call it a business because that sounds too like crass and cruel, right? It is a church because it's not a business. Uh, you're right. It's oriented towards a bottom line, typically only or predominantly. Right. So I wouldn't call it a church, but not even a church in the traditional sense where you buy the golden thrones and you get the fancy hat. I want to make it a church where the equity is equitably distributed and the stake of the value of the church is held by each member. Yeah. So that it isn't one pope who sits on a million dollars worth of gold, but it's a million people who have something in their hand that they know that they're going to be able to have. Yeah. Yeah. I think it makes it makes it th- it's really a fascinating idea. I think it's so it's a really great idea. It's a really fanci- fantastic idea because kind of how we were talking about earlier in the conversation, the sort of corporate business is 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 on our heels, right? And going to like turn and define and tell us what cannabis is, what the products are, what it looks like, all that. Who who participates in it, everything. Um, and what's getting lost or starting to get kind of silenced is like the, the history, like the complexity of the plant, the medicinal benefits of it. Um, and I think it's really, I love that you're like focused on create, like keeping that, like almost like preserving it, right? It has thousands of years of, of you know, history behind it. And we have just a little under a century of propaganda, you know, so that's, that's the initial reaction that I've gotten from most of the people of a certain demographic, you know, my parents included, you know, so it took me about years and for him to put his eyes on the law and understand what I was trying to say, the laws changed for him to even hear what I was trying to say. So I understand how people can automatically just turn their brains off and say, I'm not hearing it. I'll be a slave forever. I'm happy here. But when people understand how the terrain has changed, I think that they'll see the practicality of having something as, as useful as having a roof over your head that grows money that you can use to buy bread. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can use to heal yourself and your family and right like I mean it, I, it's like I, I've read things about the entire plant can be used all the way down to the roots. Like yep. so I don't want to go off on a tangent too much but what you're saying is, is very true. I mean it's like you can eat it. You can eat the seeds as food. You can use the fibers for clothes and for resins to make cars you know, to make the fuel that they would take to make the cars go. So you can essentially build a house, transportation, food, and shelter out of this one plant. Why do we have to make it such a bad thing, right? Yes. Dare, like I remember going to Dare, was it, I don't even know what Dare stands for anymore, but it was like the classes you had to take when you were in uh, middle school to like keep you off of drugs, you know? Marijuana was the gateway drug. That was the one. I think that's the one that started it all. Right? And then, uh, for the longest time, you know, hemp. I mean, even now, even now, even it, as mainstream as, as mainstream as it's become, as like much momentum as there is behind legalization, the misconceptions still are abound, right? There's such a lack of like understanding. There's even, to be fair, there's a lack of like research too around the plant, like true medical and scientific research because of it still being on schedule one. But there's also misperceptions that are based on just propaganda. Right. I think that propaganda has done a very good job at twisting the minds and hearts of men. Real so good. If, if we use the internet, Google and YouTube, they've amassed a lot of information. And I could tell you lots of things, but I just like to encourage people to do their own research and make up their own mind. But if you search you will find that all this information was just held back mm-hmm. it was denied and it was just not allowed to come to the public eye because if the world knew then they wouldn't accept it they would not continue with the status quo they would demand change so they just maintain this veil over the truth on people's eyes mm-hmm. they being the government 
they being individuals and administrations that you can research yourself and find their names and, <laughs> and their acts and the, the cases and the courts and they all have you know chairs and committees mm-hmm. one of the things that I find like so kind of disgusting lately just in the news um, just because I, I don't know I constantly read about cannabis now I can't can't stop um, the former speaker of the house Jim Boehner Yes, John. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's he's another one of those that. Uh, oh my gosh! But like, what an about face! Like you, you, it's all you, about the money, w- right? That's all it is. That's like all it is. There's no other motivation there. Both times around, when you were like voting in favor of legislation to like prohibit access or like continue like you know, uh, illegalization in some form, that was probably for money too. You know, well, you're getting corporate. Said, you're probably getting some kind of donation, something in the back. Well, that that's another thing that I found really surprising as a police officer. It's like all the property is surrendered. It's like the police department gets to keep everything, and if you don't win your case, or if you're stolen the case, and there's a certain statute of limitation, they can sell your property, and there's no recourse. Wow. And this is how they get all the fancy toys that the government sends them. You know, the things that they buy for them themselves. Wait, so explain that to me again. Explain that again. Asset forfeiture laws. Okay. So if a property is, you know, suspected of being used in crime or be the gains of a crime, then it's called into question during the case. So if you can't prove that you got this lawfully, then you forfeit it and the government keeps it. And the law enforcement agency that made the arrest gets to keep the cash that's made when it's sold at auction. And this is how they pad their accounts. Interesting. So it's a, it's a very big business for them in that aspect of it well, it just sounds like there's kind of the wrong incentives there right it's exactly. like it kind of benefits you to be seizing people's properties because yes. you need to pay the bills well not only that or i mean if you want if you want a new boat right you know that the marine units getting pretty pretty beat up <laughs> <laughs> so for the police force or for your own personal gain they would do something the, the like police that department okay okay yes. I didn't think I didn't know if like a police officer is like going out and buying this for them well, to like go I'm drive not, on I'm their lake gonna, on their I weekend. I would never say that. No. Okay. Well, no. I was like, because that's an extra level of corruption. <laughs> no. Extra level. So why don't you tell me about your involvement in cannabis? How did you get in- involved in it? <laughs> um, that's a good question. So it, honestly, it was very recently. I was I was born and raised in Michigan, um, but I've lived all over for a while. And Michael and I met in D.C. Um, but as the new kind of regulatory framework came online in Michigan with those new like five license types and creating like something that was like a little more above ground, I just became fascinated with like what was happening here and how like the state government was starting to create the policy and then how it's kind of getting implemented and how the zoning works, like just fascinated. Um, and so we decided to relocate here cause I wanted to be kind of in it, you know? Um, and Cannabis Curious just became like an outlet for me to be like nerdy. Like I kind of still have a day job and stuff now, but everything I was reading and thinking about, like I wanted to start sharing or commenting on or, you know, just have an opinion. I had an opinion. I wanted to share it. So (laughs) I started the Facebook and the Twitter and now the podcast is, I really want to get to know other people's stories like, like yours, right? It's, It's like, that's such a fascinating, nuanced way that you're part of the cannabis industry and I think so much of it is some of the other bigger business stories and I I want to create like a light and a platform for people that are doing things that are a little more unique and like in that small to medium-sized business like bucket right so we're, we're definitely it I think so right now I'm just like interested in learning and sharing and seeing where that takes me um well, what kind of uh, participation would you be taking in any future, like, industry? If, let's say, for example, if the church were to take off tomorrow, would you be, like, the spokesperson or announcer or lobbyist? Or what kind of role would you like to play? If I, if I was involved with your church? Yes. Well, what kind of role would you want me to be in? What? Are you asking, if would you want me to be involved even? Well, I mean, there's several hundred of us, but there's not been an official meeting. I think that, yeah, welcome to the resistance. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, we'll figure out. Yeah, I'm happy to help in any way. I 
I think eventually we'll get into like the homegirl kind of cultivation stuff. Probably not right now. We, we're living with my parents, like in full disclosure. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we need a house and all that stuff. But for now, I'm, I'm definitely all about like helping people even just kind of like come up with a strategy and figure out kind of how you want to execute against it. Like anything. I talk to people, research something. I don't care. I don't care. I'm just fascinated by everything in cannabis. So... Are you a good writer? Uh, so-so. I don't know if I would call me a good, like, write what? What do you need me to write? <laughs> Have you heard of the Constitution? Oh, my, no. That's boring, but it's a lot of technical language. <laughs> okay, boring was probably the wrong word for that. That was definitely the wrong word. But I don't know if I'm good at writing legal documents. How about that? That's what I should say. I might not have the attention to detail for that. Okay. <laughs> well, es- essentially, that's what, what church, you know, bylaws are incorporated in or the the mission statement would need to be done. I got you. You know, so from the audio that we've spoken, I think that covers maybe about 10% of it. So I think once we get everything all out and organized and, and order, I think we have enough for a book. Wow, interesting. Yes. So... I guess you would be like the promoter. Talk to me a little more about this book. What are some of these? What are some of these chapters going to be? What are you going to well, cover in this book? The title is a working title, but what I have so far is waging, uh, waging war on our wages. I think, yes, through spiritual enlightenment and liberation and maturity that can be gained through financial freedom. Will this be in the context of cannabis, or just in general, or maybe both? I think it's all connected to money. So it all would be through the church, through the incorporation, through the political system that separates church and state, but yet uses the word God and its money. You know what I mean? So somewhere in between that line and and that framework of legal systems that exist, that dictate our lives and allow someone to bankruptcy four times and walk away a billionaire, hold a prestigious office, I think that we can find somewhere in there to pen something and, you know, present it to somewhere we can gain credit for it and start something for the future. You know, the closest thing I could imagine would be like a USDA subsidy. Okay. Outside of that, we would have to create our very own brand new agency for ourselves. And that would be something like a church. It's a completely kind of different way to get involved, like a kind of like different model to like work under. But I think it makes a lot of sense for what you are trying to do. Well, I've, I've heard uh, people kind of elbow that. It, oh, that sounds kind of like Scientology or the Mormons or the Amish. And I'm like, no, I don't think it would fit under that. But if you want to. Why do people think that? Where is that connection there? Well, because it's, it's using the church to have. But. A separation of the taxing agencies of, of the government. Yeah, whatever. It's just interesting that people's mind goes there. But okay, okay. So you're going to have to work against that perception a little bit as you're... Right. I had the suggestion of someone c- wanted to call it a kibbutz or a co-op farm. You know, and if people are, are more apt to be okay with that and their own cognizant dissonance and their mind frame can be made at peace and balance out so that they can participate meaningfully, then I think we would have to take a vote on it and see if we would like to be a church or not. Yeah, that's a, I think that's actually a fantastic suggestion. I mean, it would still be a non-profit organization. Right, right. I don't think I've spoken yet on, on what the members would receive once we actually got the funding and the prototype. Yeah, speak so more on that. So these things already exist, but I don't have any of my own designs. So this is what the church apparatus would start to do. We would create, you know, the people with the talent would create a web page where we all could come to and contribute our ideas to design and, and form templates for a tiny house container, a shipping container house that grows marijuana in it and you live in it. So I imagine you need to buy have about two shipping containers that would be, you know, designed like origami where one space would be utilized as a kitchen and the bedroom and living room, you know, with its own separate grow room. So it would be, it'd be everything, all-encompassing, house and grow. Correct. 
then you would have these in communities so that the people could take care of each other because you know if people see a tiny house they know they can go over there and open up like a tin can and steal their stuff but if you have a group of people you know working and functioning like a precise military machine to grow marijuana I think that you'd be successful especially if you have a requirement that they you know have a certain amount of understanding and knowledge like how to defend themselves using weapons yes I, s I see them as like uh, communities community gardens okay. where people would you know, sign up and contract for like a certain amount of time where they would be able to pay their, you know, fair share contribution to growth and then be able to walk away and have a bunch of money in their hand. You know, should they choose to continue, that they would continue and take a, you know, more important, you know, involved role. And would these, would, would like the ideal be as there's multiple community gardens kind of? Ideal land I'd have uh, internationally, you know, network because you have the internet. So it's like it'll grow differently but it'll still have the same basic concepts you know here and the other side of the world I mean it, it's pretty involved so it its international side would all just be you know like a foreign exchange student situation where one community you know would take a vote on there's 10 of us or there's a hundred of us but hey I want to go and work in you know in, in Europe or I want to work in South America but you know we don't know anybody there oh but there's a lot of growers over there and they all have tiny houses, and they all, you know, in those shipping containers, they're universal. Yeah, and I have to imagine some growers want to go to different climates and different places to 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 grow, to, like, kind of test their skills or develop new skills, just learn, like, a craft. Exactly. So, yeah, it'd be, like, a challenge to be, like, let's go to a, it would be Germany like a, and grow some wheat. Well, I call it about uh, a self-improving system. So that hmm. it, the church would invest in its members to become, you know, more valuable and more productive by being able to generate people to grow more and organizing things so that they could exchange ideas in a part of the world. So you would have someone from the U.S. going to South America or someone from Europe going to Asia, you know, all with the intent of how do we get this system to produce more value for its homeowners. Mm -hmm. And that's the basis of the church. So Genesis 29.1, that's like, use the herbs. You're going to create like your own ecosystem, your own community all over the world. Well, I'd, I'd like to call it a new uh, financial way of life because I don't agree with the that's current... That's important underlying to the it. The current system, it, it makes it too easy for those that have no morals or scruples to to dehumanize the humanity and you know sell us like commodities in things called war yeah i think that's where you have like a very a particularly unique perspective like the idea right of creating this community where you're you're sharing cultivation and harvesting knowledge like years that's unique but the then the piece about using bitcoin to make it work to fund it, to create capital, to create, you know, we're have we're about resources. To get in dangerous territory. It's Are but you that's ready? that's yes, ready. Okay, here we go. So the piece of the puzzle that Bitcoin is is the brainwashing and propaganda the government's put into its citizens to say that oh these people want to kill you, you need to go kill them first because you need to protect American interests abroad or, you know, our interests abroad. So if the money is universal and you know what is there and they know what is here who is it that's really evil the individuals I've never met and I'll never meet in my life or the person trying to send me over there to kill them that's money interesting so because Bitcoin is defined the same regardless of where you are your theory is it would reduce like international, I guess, conflict around money or like what these other uh, physical paper coin. The, the the distribution of resources, so where the resources are allocated, would be easier to track and calculate as a citizen, as opposed to allowing black budgets to exist. That is what the paper cash money does. That's the reason we have one, in my opinion because the money makes it so that mercenaries kill and that hungry people die because, you know, 
most capitalists would rather throw the product away than give it away for free because it would cut into their profit. So tell me why I can be kind of like cynical and conspiracy theorist a little bit, but like why won't Bitcoin fall prey to some of the things that have happened in capitalism, some of the ugliness? What you're talking about, mercenaries, homelessness. Do you ever think there's going to be, I guess what I'm struggling with is why won't some people try to have more power or control with Bitcoin? They, they can. And I imagine that they will. Eventually, if not shortly in our lifetime. That's why I, I'm only, I keep saying Bitcoin because it was the first one on at the line. But we're at the point now in technology where Bitcoin now is just a template. We can take a picture of it and create Bitcoin 2.0 or a coin with the first three letters of our last name and then bit next to it. And then that would be a coin that can be exchanged on the internet using Amazon or Google or any other commodity that we can purchase. It's like Bitcoin is just the beginning. Like it was sort of exposed to us that we can create like a different kind of currency. Yes, Bitcoin is a, a different a cornerstone. But it isn't the end that's all. That's interesting. Be I mean, that's it's yeah, it's completely like fair, rational, makes perfect sense when you hear it. I've just never thought about that. That this isn't the end. This is the beginning <laughs> of the evolution of. Right. I guess is it. What, what, what I would it? like, what I'd like to read, consider it as is, it is a turning point in our history from where a tool was misused by a few individuals to hoard and corral and restrict and dam up and levy all of the productive value produced by humanity for a certain point in history until Bitcoin was the key that opened the floodgate and allowed the value to be utilized where it was needed. Instead of allowing the you know austerity and the scarcity that's artificially created by the hoarding of value in offshore accounts to be made right. So do you think in general, not even necessarily related to cannabis, but... That the average kind of consumer or citizen will have Bitcoin, like the the be a greater likelihood that all of us will start to have or use Bitcoin in the yes. same way we do right now, like a checking account or a imagine a debit card. Right. Yeah. That that all Bitcoin is gonna do. You won't get a choice. They're so how long do you think you. we have until like me and you Four are doing that? Four or five years. Okay. And no Four. bank account or some bank account, a combination of both. I can't really tell you what they're going to allow to happen, but what the Federal Reserve has made public in the statement is that they're going to go cashless within four years. So how long it takes them to implement that and practice it, and you know, when we go and get a box of eggs or a gallon of milk, it might take a little, little longer than that. But they're heading that way, and they've made it. They declared it already. So I think that before they push our government to write policy that doesn't allow us to make this happen. We should get on that wagon before it sets sail. <laughs> That's fair. Before it takes off and mm -hmm. we're just left in the dust to deal with the ruins. Is there anything that you didn't get a chance to cover today that you wanted to, that I didn't ask you, that, you know, you wish I would have? There's honestly too much. <laughs> I, I don't want to like. Well, we can do a podcast 2.0. <laughs> yeah, there, there's too much for me to like take more of your time, but it's it, wow. it really is a, it's a huge idea. You know that if I can just get a little bit of a, I'd say legal guidance on how to draft the documents, then I think we can make it a reality and put it up on a Kickstarter, and then see how far it goes. I think that's a that sounds like a fantastic way to start. I love I love it. I think uh, the more people that hear your story and hear this idea, especially people that have history in the cannabis industry and are currently, in, I hate to use the word industry almost, right? It's like the community, the culture, because the industry now is somewhat like whitewashed corporate-y. Um, but I think other people are really like caregivers and folks that have been doing like cultivation for years or even illegally would really appreciate what you're doing and what your mission is. So, Yeah. Do it. Legal documents, Kickstarter, and start getting the people to know you and your story. Well, I, I, I'm hoping to make my story their story. 
You yeah, know, that's I, that's a very essentially good. Essentially, what we have now is just we don't have representation for our taxation. So if we can take that voice back, I think by equalizing the value of their billions to our dollar, by exercising our vote, by using Bitcoin, then we three times remove our actions from their corruption, and then we can do what we see fit. I think it's I think it's fascinating. I think it's a great idea. I think there is the cannabis the cannabis community needs it. What the future of cannabis needs it, right? Um, so, however, cannabis curious can support you. We are in, um, and I wish you nothing but but with the best of, of luck in your adventure. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate you. And that's a wrap on this week's episode of the Cannabis Curious Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about David and his vision for a cannabis church, please check out the show notes in this week's episode.